Father, this morning, even as we magnify and we glorify your name, we want to lift Jesus in our midst, Lord, in our lives. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The name above all other names. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The sweetest name of all. That's who you are, O oh Father. And even as we continue our study, we never forget. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Father, keep keep continuously opening our eyes and our hearts that we may receive the revelation of who He is and therefore who we should be, Lord. Speak to us this morning. Commit all your children everywhere. Speak your protection, your power, your presence, your provision. Surround them with your goodness and your loving kindness, O God. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We go to Revelation 1, 16 and 17, yes. He had in his right hand seven stars. We looked at that. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. We looked at that. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Okay? Like, never forget the first verse. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The apocalypse or the unfolding of who Jesus actually is. But even then we will never get, we never understand because even in eternity it will be just unfolding. There's a picture of Jesus Christ. We'll read that once again from Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 to 19. These are pictures of Jesus and here he's giving us a revelation. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. And then verse 19 sums it all up. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And John is seeing the revelation of Jesus Christ in the island of Patmos. We need to realize, if you go to 1 John, and uh, not 1 John, John 1, and verse 25 to 27. One second, one second. I'm trying to remember. I didn't write the reference. I think it's John, the last chapter, not one, but I think it's 21. Let me give you, let me give you. Yeah, yeah, one John, uh, it's, it's 1 John, 1 John, 1 John. Not 25, but 35. 35 to 37. That's what, one digit? I don't know why it always happens to me with math. First of all, what's this first of all? 
Every time I get the numbers mixed up. The next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And one of the two was John. This is the first time John encounters Jesus. Okay? So Jesus, he had seen him after that consistently for three and a half years. Jesus in various phases of his life to the cross despised blood covered Jesus hanging on the cross, the despised figure to the resurrected Jesus, the transfiguration on the mountain. He had seen it all. And now almost how many years? 60 to 70 years have passed by. And he was easily the one who was closest to Jesus Christ. You can see John chapter 21 and verse 20. 21 and verse 20. Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. Okay, this is the disciple whom Jesus loved, not not who loved Jesus. Jesus really, like he was his pet. He was the youngest probably among them, so he was his little pet. Okay, youngest among them. And he's, he loved John, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Okay, he was the closest to Jesus. Yet nothing had prepared him for this vision of Jesus Christ. So you need to realize it doesn't matter how close we may think we are to Jesus, how much we may love him. We are not prepared, and this is just a vision. This is not even a real encounter. Okay, a real encounter. Nothing is going is preparing us when we see Jesus. So Revelation one sixteen and seventeen, you will see we have the revelation of how his countenance was the sun, and the Bible says, When I saw him. I fell at his feet as dead. This is what happens. Okay, so be be prepared. It's coming. That day is getting closer and closer and closer. Okay, so we go to 16. We looked at it. His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Okay, his countenance, his appearance, his face. Okay, now we go to Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make man in his, in our image according to us. So we need to see the word image is there. Okay, the word image is there. We were made in the image of God. Okay, and when we see Jesus in a vision, in his glory, his countenance, his expression, his face is like the sun. I mean, he's just trying to relate to what we can we can relate to. We cannot really relate unless it's some part of our experience. And we know in our human experience, though there are many stars brighter than the sun, the brightest star for us is the sun. It's nothing brighter than in our comprehension. So that's where he's compared to. Go to Hebrews chapter 2 and we will read from verse 5 onwards. Okay? Because that countenance is connected with glory. This is the glorious appearance of Jesus Christ. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels. Okay, so please understand. The world in which we are living is in subjection to angels. 
Okay, there are two groups, the fallen angels in the second realm, principalities, and there are the other angels which is called thrones, dominions, principalities. So it is subject to angels. God sits over there and rules through the angels. But the world that is coming is not subject to angels. This is the fundamental fact which we have to understand. There is a world in which we are living and the whole unseen, subject to angels. The world that is coming is not subject to angels. So who are they subject to? But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the work of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. So you need to realize when Jesus became man, he's man forever and is God forever. Now for the first time, everything has been put under the feet of man, not angels. Okay? And what he's doing, he's raising up a set of God's children, man, who will ultimately rule eternity, the universe, and angels. So we need to understand what is that we are going through? What are we running for? What are we fighting for? What is this whole life about? What is the point of going through so much suffering and so much affliction and all this? What is thing is that? What love? If you go further down, you will see that verse 9 onwards. Yeah, 9 to 10. But we see Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. Okay, so Jesus was made lower than when he came in the human flesh. For what? For the suffering of death. And now he's crowned with glory and honor. And he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone, human beings. Look at this. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. This is the key. Otherwise, there is no sense. People will just walk away from everything. This job is too tough. This marriage is too tough. This child is too tough. We just walk away from all that. But at the end of it, when we fight this, what is that we receive? Eternity. It's the glory of being one of the sons, the daughters of the living God. And God puts things under. So you need to understand when it's talking about his face, his countenance, it is a reflection of his glory. And Adam was actually created to reflect God's glory. And he was given power and authority to exercise dominion. And what he lost in believing the lie of the enemy was he lost power, authority, and dominion. But please remember, the desire for glory. Okay? Power, authority, power, dominion, the desire for glory has never gone. That's how we were created. It has never gone. It has never gone. But the fallen man is deceived by the devil, okay, to continually pursue what is false. Okay? There is something that is real. 
Because something is, you always have, that's why I said, you always have to weigh this. If I pursue this, will it be there in eternity? Because if something is true, it has to be eternal. If something is temporary, then it is false. It is false. That's why the Bible says the things that we see are temporary. The things that we do not see are eternal. And the devil deceives by attaching glory to things that are temporal. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 11. Okay, because we're connecting it with the countenance, because the countenance is a reflection of what we are pursuing. Or oh, that you would bear, uh, yeah, first Corinthians, first Corinthians. No, no, no. this is uh, first, second Corinthians 11, 14 to 15. I think you went somewhere else. You went to one, 14 to 15, second Corinthians. For no wonder. Why? Satan himself transforms him, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Okay, this is what he does. He transforms. And it is no great thing if his ministers also transforms themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their work. So Satan comes across as light. But it is a false light. It is a false light. Okay, and he has created this world system. Look at Matthew 4 and verse 8 and 9. Okay, I'll, I'll connect it. Okay, so that we will see how it works. The devil took him up whom Jesus on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all these things I will give it to you if you'll just fall down and worship me. Okay, so he is false light. He has false glory. We saw in the other words, he has false righteousness. Okay, everything about him is false. Okay, but it is only revealed if you have spiritual discernment. If you don't have spiritual discernment, what will happen is people will run after this and waste their entire life running after vain glory. Okay, and Jesus talks about that in the gospel according to John, John 1, 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And light shines in darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. Okay, So what you are seeing is that his face is like the sun, which is light. Okay, Countenance is like the sun. But here, it is all hidden. All hidden. In 1 John 1, 5, it talks about God and darkness. Okay. This is a message we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Okay, so there are two things. As we go, we will build it up. There are two things which we need to understand. Okay, one there is light has light. Light has light. But what is light in the spiritual realm? Now this is physical. Now he's seeing a physical manifestation of the glory of God, which is light, which blinds him. You'll see so many places we will look where people had an encounter with God and they saw the physical manifestation. Even Apostle Paul was blinded for three days. People said he always never fully recovered his sight. We do not know. But it was a blinding sight of God's glory, which is a physical manifestation. But for everything else, there is a spiritual truth. 
Right? That is why we have symbols in the Bible. What are these seven stars? What are these seven lampstands? So the church is not shaped like a lampstand. The lampstand is a church. And a church is not a building. The church are people. So you have to see symbols. There's a physical symbol. And there is spiritual correlation. So you hear that God is light. In him there is no darkness. So when it is talking about God is light and there is no darkness, it is not talking about this light. We know if you subsequently go down, we will know it is talking about truth. God is truth and in him there is no lie. Okay. But also is the fact that God comes, the glory, the light is too much. If his creation, one of his tiny creation, sun is one of his tiny creations, not large, the millions of stars bigger than the sun, brighter than the sun. No man can look at the sun. Your eyes will be gone. If that is what one of his tiniest creation is, then what is the glory of God? The simple question we need to ask. Look at Psalm 18.11 and 97.2. Okay. He made darkness his secret place and his canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the sky. So you have to realize that God deliberately hides himself. Okay, hides himself. Yesterday, Pastor Vijay used a text uh, where he says, it is the glory of God to conceal and it is the honor of kings to find it, to unveil it. Okay, so there, what is glory? It's truth. Okay, so you need to understand when it's God. So otherwise, just don't say when God, his face was like this, shining this thing. The outward is there, there is the inward reality also. So when God is saying he lives in unapproachable light, there is two truth, two things. One is truth. And we cannot handle all the truth. If each one of it is shown all the truth about us and all the truth about us, we will just die. We will just die of despair. We will realize we are so wicked, so evil, and nowhere can we get close to God. We will just die of depression if we were to know who God is as truth and who we are as truth. So he will only reveal ourselves little by little by little by little by. That's why he says to the children of Israel, you have my power, my authority, everything. I'm with you. I'm going before you, but you will only overcome little by little. Because if you suddenly overcome, the wild beast will devour you. So even when it comes to truth, when it comes to truth, you know, he doesn't reveal all the truth either about himself or about us. About us. Okay. Otherwise, why should a man like John, who is probably the most sanctified saint on planet earth in his 90s, fall like one dead before the appearance of Jesus Christ? Why should he fall? Because we need to realize that's our real state. So this constant pursuit of our truth has light and the other one. So what does he do? He Even when he comes, he covers himself in darkness. Make it darkness. So people will say, I read the Bible, I don't understand. Which is true. We don't understand because we understand we will die. It's too much for us to bear. Too much for us to bear to really understand. You, you just imagine, like, you know, you, like, let's say Pastor Vijay, you know, he took five years, six years, or whatever to do his PhD. He worked day and night, like I said, no lab, seven, I know, 72 hours, 48, starts the experiment, falls asleep over there, switches his phone off. Work day and night, finally submits, and then in the PhD comes back saying, disqualified. 
five years life in waste. You know how you'll feel? It wasn't, he got his PhD, but what I'm talking about, all our life we run after that, then we stand before God says, disqualified. You do not meet even a tiny iota of my standard. Do you know what he is? Okay, that's what Paul was talking about. After having preached, I should not be disqualified. Because it's only one standard God has. God has set a standard. His standard, he said, is my son. So when God talks about his physical glory also, he says he covers himself with darkness. Truth also is covered. That's why it is the glory of God to cover. But it is the honor of kings to slowly uncover. Okay, slowly. It is not that Solomon in one day uncovered everything. For Solomon to uncover, you needed a Moses. To write the first five books of Genesis to Deuteronomy and then the others and the history of all these people and he's going through. But after all his life, when he comes to the realization, what is his end? He realizes it's all darkness, it's all vanity, it's all useless. I just got sidetracked and wasted my life away. You need to understand what God is talking about. If you look at Psalm 97 and verse 2. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his truth, of his throne. Okay? But what is he surrounded by? Clouds and darkness. Go to Exodus 33. Familiar verse 18 to 20. Okay? This is that man who was closest to God. Okay? Closest to God. About whom God says, I speak to him face to face. But doesn't mean he sees God's face. Okay, so he's so excited. He says, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And then he says in verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face. You cannot see my face. For no man shall see me and love. You cannot see my face. But he says, you know, I have various facets of my character. Our face is not the real face. Our face is an expression of a very faint expression of who we are inside. Okay. So he says, you cannot actually see my face and love. So I will show you facets of my face. What is that? My goodness, my grace, these things shall go before you. You can see that. Okay. So we need to understand when we are talking about countenance. What does it mean? What does it mean? Let's go. So, all this is part of it. Okay? Light, glory, power, righteousness, grace, all this. We go back to John 1, 4 to 5, and then 6 and 8. In him was life. The life was the light of men. And light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then when it comes to 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This, yeah, I didn't finish it. This man, yeah, this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. This is old covenant people. He's the last of the old covenant saints. And he says, all covenant saints are not a light. 
they are witnesses of that light. New covenant saints are lights because in him was life and that life was the light of men. The new covenant saints, life begins when he is born again, when he comes in us. So our life becomes the light. So our life is either light or our life is darkness. We need to understand. These are only two ways we can go. Either we are light or we are darkness. Let's go to Second Corinthians. Chapter 4. Very powerful verses. 7 to nine, seven onwards. Okay, 7 to 11. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. We are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. So you cannot escape this. If you are a child of God, God says you will go through this. But when you go through this, if you do not manifest the dying of Jesus, we will not manifest the life of Jesus. Okay? For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal life. Like I said, you cannot escape the wilderness. In the wilderness, it will show whether it is your life or his life. And your life, my life, will stink in the wilderness. So we're looking. So suddenly, everything changes when we look at what it is. If you come, then we come to verse 16. Okay, 16. Therefore, why? Therefore, we do not lose heart. Why don't we lose heart? Because though our outward man is perishing, what is he talking about? You know what? Outward man is the actual proof of the fact that we are pursuing false glory. Because whatever you do, the proof that you are chasing the rainbow at the end of the sun, vain glory, is that the outer man, whatever you do, it's perishing. You can try whatever you want. That's what Solomon finally realizes he was a man who was seeking glory under the sun, heaven. Whatever is possible, he tried it. At the end, he said it was all empty. Because nothing lasts. The man himself is perishing. The outer man is perishing. So the outer man is a symbol. If you have any doubt, just keep looking at your outer man. But the question is, if the outer man is perishing, then there is another reality. The inward man is being renewed day by day. That's why we handle depression, discouragement, fear, all these things, because that is a symbol of the old man, inner man. If the inner man is discouraged, the inner man is depressed, the inner man is fearful, the inner man, then the problem is outer man and inward man both are perishing. Then you are caught in a trap. Caught in a trap. That's a very dangerous place to be because that's a proof. Because the proof is not your outer man. All around the world it is outer man which is being glorified. Billions upon billions being spent on the outer man. But God is not so much interested in the outer man. He's interested in the inner man. About Jesus, the outer man, he said there was nothing thing in him to attract us. He'd look like just an ordinary person. There was nothing. But when his inner man was revealed on the Mount of Transfiguration, they all fell. 
because the glory was too much. The simple thing God is saying is, one day when you are all in my presence, your inner man will be revealed. And that will be a glory for eternity. Now go back to that verse which we read earlier, verse 8 and 9. Right? Yeah, 7 to 9. Okay, we are, look at this 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not. That's the proof. That's the proof. This is the inner man. So much trials I'm going through, but you're standing. You're not crushed. You're not crushed. We are completely confused, but we are not in despair. I mean, honestly, we are just like the other person. We don't know what to do, but we are not in despair. This is the inner man. Okay. Persecuted. Persecuted. That's what. John, I, your companion, in tribulation, was in the spirit on the day of the Lord. Why? Persecuted, but not forsaken. If you're forsaken, you won't worship. No forsaken people, people worship. Just sit in depression and doom, like the children of Israel. We sat, hung our harps over there. We had no songs. They are telling us to sing. In Babylon we are. And others said, Ezekiel is singing vision after vision after vision. Same people, both in exile. But one man is not forsaken. Therefore he is able to see. Daniel is able to see. Ezra is able to. All these people, what's the difference? It's the difference of the inner man. So God will put us through the ringer to tell us, are you real or not? You will know. I led you into the wilderness to humble you, to test you what was inside. So you will know whether your inner man is being changed or it is the outer man and the inner man both are perishing. So you see all around the world suicides and depression and addictions and all this thing and God says, that is because the outer man is being crushed there is no inner man to handle the strength because there is no me in there. There is no me. There is no life of Christ. So this is how we need to look at life. It is Christ who is real. The life of Christ. That is why the ultimate picture. Why are there everything about God's perfection, about seven? Why are there seven sayings of Christ from the cross? Because this is the ultimate the outer man is being subject to. But out of his mouth comes forgiveness and blessing and salvation and responsibility. Why is it coming? It's a manifestation of the inner man. That's what God is talking about. Look at the inner man. Okay, And the only way possible is, John showed it, John the Baptist showed it in John 3.30. He said, I should decrease and he should increase. Okay, I should decrease. He must increase. But in the new covenant, it is not decreasing as in, yes, but it is more than that. You know what it's saying? It is dying. It's not about decreasing. It's about dying. So we will see whenever God, once in a while, you know, God will come and he will remove the veil for a few instant. And I don't think any man ever, dead or alive, has ever seen God in his glory than Jesus. Nobody has seen it because nobody can handle his glory. They just see a vision which is like looking at the sun through an x-ray film. Okay? But even when they see that, that's how we all, whenever there was an eclipse, you all looked for x-ray films. Isaiah 6-5. Ezekiel 1-28, if I'm right. Okay? This is, he just has a vision. Okay? A vision. Okay, now you need to realize when you see a vision, you're not seeing with your physical eyes. 
You're seeing with your spiritual eyes. Woe to me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is the first reaction. Okay, come to Ezekiel. Like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of brightness all around it. It was the appearance of the likeness. Okay, it is not the glory. Appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So when I saw it, I fell on my face. Okay, this is Ezekiel. If you come to Daniel, okay, three saints here. 10, 7, chapter 10, 7 and 8. Daniel 10, 7 and 8. Hmm? Okay, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great terror fell upon them, so they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone, and when I saw this great vision, no strength remained in me, for my vigor turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Okay. Look at all covenant saints. When they have a faint glimpse of the glory of God, what happens to them? Okay. Even an angelic appearance. You look in Luke 1 and verse 12 and Luke 2 and verse 9. Zacharias, when he saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. This is in the holy place. In Luke 2, 9, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before him and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. In Matthew 17, you know, verse 2 and then verse 6. Okay. Yeah. 17, 2 and verse 6. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. And verse 6. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and they greatly afraid. They heard the voice of the Father too. So you have these pictures. And when Jesus actually comes back, okay, this is how Paul says in Second Thessalonians 2.8, how he will describe, destroy the Antichrist. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The epitome of the enemy's power will be the Antichrist. To him he will give his full strength. But with just by the brightness of the coming of Jesus Christ, he will be destroyed. Okay? So please remember where we are going one day. This is where we are going. Okay? And Apostle Paul okay, had this encounter in Acts chapter 9, but we will go to Acts 26 when he recounts it later in verse 13 and 14. No, no, not 9. Let's go to 26. Acts 26, 13 and 14. Yeah, here's recall. In the midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining. This is using words because nothing have we seen brighter than the sun. But he says, I know the sun, but it was brighter than that. Okay? Shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul. This was Apostle Paul's first encounter with Jesus Christ. Okay, So we need to realize this, this, this is God's glory reflected on his 
countenance. Okay, reflected on his countenance. And the thing is that this is the desire God has put in every man because like yesterday little Josh had a question. It's a very interesting children come up with because he read the gospel according to John and after Jesus rose again, his clothes were there, the kerchief was this. So he said, where did Jesus get his clothes from when he rose again? Okay, so his question was so many books. Where did he get his clothes from? Okay, this is a little one. They will ask the cute questions. Okay, so I said, no, Jesus went to heaven. He had clothes over there. He came back with a different robe and all that. But the fact of the matter is that Adam and Eve were naked, but they were covered in the glory of God. Okay, you don't need a dress. The glory of God covers you. Okay, you don't need a dress. The glory of God covers you. Okay, and that is what they lost. I do believe when Adam and Eve walked in the garden before the fall and all the other creatures were there, their glory was absolutely different. Absolutely different. The glory was absolutely different. Okay, They were glorious in there. That's why, you know, even when they fell, because they were made in glory and they were perfect, sinless, that's why they lived so long. This long, and we are looking at the. I do believe the most beautiful woman ever was Eve, because she was handmade by God. There's no woman like that. But there will be women more beautiful than her in eternity, because glory will be revealed. She had an outward appearance, but the inward it appears. That's what, that's the actual glory when we hear about. So, you need to understand the inward person, that's a revelation of the inward, this thing. When the veil is taken off, they see Jesus has his glory, and they all fall like one dead. That's why we hate words like, you know, submit, humble, meek, and all that. We don't like those words. You know why? Because that's got to do with the inner man. Inner man. The outer man finds glory in other things. Okay. In Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, you have this thing about Moses. Okay. Numbers 3. Now Moses, the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. And he didn't become humble. He became humble after 40 years in the wilderness. Okay. That's how he became humble. So wilderness is a good place to go to heaven. Because you will become humble. You will become humble if you allow the situations. Okay. Now if you turn to Exodus chapter 24 and verses 15 to 18. Okay. Look at Exodus chapter 24, 15 to 18. Then Moses went up into the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain. The glory of God rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days and on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Okay. You have to connect this to First, Moses had to become the meekest man on planet earth to be able to enter into God's glory and stay there for 40 days. Okay. And then, when he comes out, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 says this. 
If the ministry of death written and engraved on stone was glorious, so the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away because when he came, his face was shining and they couldn't look at his face, so they told him to put a veil over his face. So he is the first man to wear a burqa. Okay, wear a burqa. And that is the whole concept in the in the Islamic world is that nobody should, her face is her glory. No other man should be looking at her face. There are only two people who are allowed to look at a woman's face in the Islamic. That's her family and her husband. That's why they cover them because that's a woman and it's her glory. Her beauty is her glory. Why should all the men look at her glory? And we go to the extreme on the western thing. Every cloth is taken off. You can all watch my glory. You need to realize where these concepts come from. But it is all just an outward thing, which has no meaning. But in the real glory we are going to see. So you need to realize this man, his glory on his face was so much, they had to cover his face. Because when you are looking at countenance, the countenance of Jesus Christ, we need to understand because you know what? We are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And on that, like, 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 we always, people, yesterday or last time also, this is so many people ask me questions, pastor also, pastors also call me and ask me on Sunday night and all that, Friday, Saturday night and all that. If you go to the book of uh, Hebrews and go to the last verse, Hebrews 11, the last verse, Hebrews chapter 11, the last verse, okay, got it? God having provided something better for us, they should not be made perfect apart from us. Meaning, everyone who died from Adam onwards, every saint, Old and New Testament, are still waiting to get their bodies. Nobody will get their body. And the question is, why is everybody waiting for their body? Because the minute you get your body, your glory is revealed, your judgment is set. Because your body you get is a revelation of your glory. So if God were to give one man a body, that means his judgment is already over. Nobody's judgment is over. In the twinkling of an eye, when there is a transfiguration that takes place, everyone, everybody will be able to see this is overcome. His, he, he has overcome more than this one. This one because the glory shows. And if you turn with me to the book of Corinthians, First Corinthians and chapter 15 and verses 40 to 43, 40 to 43. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one. The glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the star. So one star differs from another star in glory. And then it says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It will be raised in in corruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Okay? So every body will be raised in glory. The saved ones. The unsaved ones, their body will be raised without any glory. That is why the Bible says their worms never will die. Meaning, when you die, what happens to your human body? Do you know? It starts putrefying. It starts peeling off and it's full of worms that exactly will be the bodies of all those who go into the lake of fire. That will be the state of their body, putrefying flesh, full of worms. It will be continuously like that and burning in the fire. 
Because this is the glory you wanted when you were chasing this world. But this is the eternal glory you will receive. Everybody will see the glory of your body. You you went after vain glory. This is what you, others were heart-pressed and perplexed and all that. They fought. They hung in there. God says their glory will be revealed. Their inside will be revealed. So we need to realize when we are looking at the countenance of Jesus Christ, it was bright as the sun because he will be the most glorious among. He is the firstborn among many. He is the most glorious. So what are we running after? What are we doing? If you have doubts, go to Daniel chapter 12 verses 2 and 3. Okay. Daniel chapter 12, 2 and 3. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now look at verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. Yesterday you heard, I asked some of the young men outside, yesterday I asked them, I said you heard four little things, four little things. Did you hear? Did you hear? Four little things. I said, it's a very little thing, very little thing in life to consistently come to the house of God before time. It's a very little thing. And sit there for three hours. In a week, four Sundays. Four threes are twelve. Twelve hours on a week is what a young man begins with. That little thing also you will not do. It's a very little thing. Is it a big thing? No, it's a very little thing. What is 12 hours in 7 days? 7 into 24 is how much? I don't know. <laughs> Pastor Vijay? Huh? No. Your math is also wrong. Go to the math man. Huh? 158. 158 hours. Can you start with 12 hours? Be on time? Little thing. Very little thing. That is wisdom. The wise is always looking into eternity. How is this going to count me? How is this going to count in life? How is this going to count in eternity? He is not looking at anything in the temporal. He is always counting into the eternal. Right? That is how we do. Okay, if you do MPC, you do BPC, then this is better for you. Engineer or doctor? Very simple. And then retire and sit in the rocking chair. On death. Okay. You're always looking. That's how decisions are made. Decisions are not made temporarily. Decisions are always made looking forward. Okay, the wise one is again. But the wise one is the one who is looking into eternity. So those who are wise, who made those wise decisions keeping eternity in mind, how will they look? Like the brightness of the firmament. Meaning, you know, when the sun rises, you know, the whole skyline starts turning bright. They, they will look like that. And those who turn many to he used this example of the spider. I have no issues with lizards, but he has a afraid of lizards. But let us okay. Okay. It is the spider. No. Those who turn at one person. Witness to one person. I don't know why people have no zeal at all. One person to righteousness. We cannot turn anybody, but we can share. No. The day I got saved. In that one week of the day I got saved, we were 40 in our first year under graduation in the first ground floor in the hostel. Every room and witness to everyone we had to do that. 
Okay. From there we went into the parks. We went into the Sunday evening was always in the parks. We grow as after Bible study. We go there. We go witness, give tracts. That is how we were trained, right? In the beginning that you are called to be a witness. And somebody gets saved, they turn to righteousness. Those who turn to righteousness, like what? Stars forever and ever. But do you know, Rama, that none of the stars are forever and ever? Because the old creation will pass away. Every star will vanish. God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. But those who turn others to righteousness. So you look at countenance. How will you look like? The brightness of the firmament. And like stars for ever and ever. So when you are looking at Jesus Christ's countenance, just don't go over that words and say his countenance was like. That is why all these false gods all have this sun around them and this thing. But it's all false. There's not, you look, because both has to match. The inside and the outside has to match. Okay? So when you come to Jesus, you ask any righteous man of any religion, what do you think about Jesus? You will say, very righteous man. Now you tell me about any other God or God man, who will you call righteous? He has vain glory, all the sons and many hands and weapons and all. But if you look into what they actually did and looked like, there is no righteousness. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, the inward nature is that is being revealed as his glory. And the false is what all the world is pursuing. The world is pursuing the false glory. And God says the proof it is, it is false is keep looking in the mirror once in a while. The outward man is perishing. Keep looking at it. You're chasing this. It's just like your outward man. It is perishing. But those who are pursuing what is true, he says, look into inward situation. I will send this fire and I will send this test and I will turn the fire seven times over. Look at how you react. That's the real man. If he's crumbling, no glory. If he's standing, you have glory. You have glory. Then that's the real man. That is how you will know when you go into the wilderness, what is inside will come out. What will come out? So God is teaching us. He's preparing us for all this. If you go to Luke chapter 9 and verse 26, it's a very powerful picture of Jesus Christ. We never see when Jesus comes. Who is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed. When he comes, in his own glory, in his Father's glory, and the glory of the holy angels. That's how he will come when he comes. When, just what I say, every eye will see him, like lightning across the sky, every eye will come. There will be weeping and moaning and gnashing of teeth. Everything will happen, because when he comes, what is the glory? His own glory. His father's glory. And he will be surrounded by a cloud of angels and the saints. It will be like glory, glory, glory when he comes. Okay? So when he comes, the glory of his countenance. Okay? And these are the truths which we are looking at. So Moses says, can I see your glory? God says, you cannot see my glory. You will die. Instead, I will make my goodness, my grace. Turn to Numbers chapter 6, 22 to 27. Yeah, 27. Okay. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, listen. Okay, speak to Aaron and his son saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel and say to them, this is what I did in my college my last day. I said, I shall pray a blessing over all of you. This is, you have to be very careful because it's a 
Christianity was banned then. So I said, this is what I will do. Long ago, a priest stood before his people and blessed. And this is what I would read over you. This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, now listen, look carefully. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make, what is the countenance of his face? Like the sun, brighter than the sun. The Lord, but what is the spiritual reality? The Lord make his face shine upon you and be grace. The Lord lift up his and give you, what is it? Grace and? Now go read all the episodes. Grace be peace, grace and peace, grace. That is his countenance. You look Romans 1-7. Go from Romans onwards. Go through the letters. You need to understand what is the meaning, okay? To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord. Just What is that? That is his countenance. If God looks, you see, the countenance can change. It can be angry. Oh, God is a consuming fire. But he's not saying. He says, let the Lord look at you with what? With grace. And with peace, that is his countenance. This was the blessing the Aaronic priest had to every day was supposed to speak over Israel. May the Lord look upon you with grace and with peace. And this is the whole covenant because that grace and peace is the face of God, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the face of God to man. So that grace and peace is the spiritual quality. The physical is, is brighter, his face, his countenance is brighter than the sun. Okay? So right now, like I said, man is chasing. Chasing, what is it called? Vain glory. But the proof of it is, is this. Second Corinthians, let's go back. 4, 16, 17. Okay? Therefore, we do not lose heart. We shouldn't lose heart. Why? If the inward man is being renewed day by day, we should not lose heart. People lose heart because the inward man is not being renewed. The outer man is perishing. Ayo, 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 time is going by, time is going. That's what happened to Sarah. Ayo, ten years is up. Promise is there, nothing is happening. Shortcut to Kehagar, created. Because only looking at the outward. Inward is where there should have been faith. Okay, there should have been faith. Now you go to verse 17, you will see. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of what? Glory. Glory. You have to look at life that way. One thing, you see, everywhere you have to compare this. One is, there are two things we have to compare. One is time. One is time. Okay? Second is the weight of affliction. Eternal affliction is they burn in the fire forever and ever and ever. Okay? Temporal is 50 years, 60 years, maximum 70 years, 80 years, it's over. So you have to look at 80 in terms of eternity. Okay? And the suffering you go through, you have to look at the suffering which is there in the lake of fire. So he says it is light affliction and it is momentary. That's okay. But what is it working for us inside? Exceeding eternal weight of glory. Okay? Therefore, this is the percept in which we have to look at life. Verse 18. Therefore, if you look at verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are 
temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Things which are not seen are eternal. That's that's how. So, John will have two visions. John himself will have two visions of the false and the real. False glory, real glory. Look at those two visions. Revelation chapter 17, verses 3 to 6 is the false. Then one of 3 to 6, 17. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. Okay, the first thing he realized is that this world is a wilderness. All these skyscrapers and all this, it's actually not true. It's a wilderness. In the eyes of God, it's a barren place. It's a wilderness. It's a wasteland. Because this world will become a wasteland. That's the end of Babylon. Where demons and birds will dwell in. It will become a wasteland. So he sees first into the wilderness. It's not like he took him into the city. But the city is a wilderness. And what did he see? He saw what people were pursuing. And who was empowering what they were pursuing. Who did he see? A woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones, pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. This is the world system. People are perceiving. This is the world system. Unless you have a spiritual vision, you will not see the actual nature. Actually, this is the actual spiritual reality. This is the glory, the fame, People are running after. Then he sees the corresponding one of eternity of God's people. Revelation chapter 2. Sorry, 21. And verse 2 and then verses 10 to 11 and 22 to 23. Then I joined. So another. Okay. He saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Have you noticed? In all Christian weddings, the bride is always dressed in white. Have you noticed? And if it's a second marriage, then it's a lighter shade of white. It's not white. It's off-white. But it's always connected white. It's connected with glory. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Now you see the glory of the city or the bride. 10 to 11. He carried me again, okay? Now he's again going in the spirit, but not in the wilderness. To a great and a high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. What did she have? Having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. After that, it is the glory of that city, the bride that is being described. And if you come to verse 22 and 23, it, it, it comes. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. 
lamp is its light. So we have to look, go back, going back to 160. Okay. This is what the Bible is talking about. This is what the Bible. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Okay. Let's go to, as we close, okay, go to Genesis chapter 4 and verse 6. First person, two people outside the garden, two brothers called Cain and Abel offer a sacrifice. God accepts one, rejects other. First question asked outside the garden, why are you angry? Why are your countenance fallen? Why? Because your countenance is a reflection of what is inside. Okay, so why did your face fall? Why are you angry? He hasn't opened his mouth. He hasn't said anything. But it is reflected in his face. So God says, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? So John sees a vision of Jesus Christ and his countenance was like bright like the sun. That is his countenance. So his brilliance, you have to look at the two things inside. His the brilliance, what you see outwardly like that is because of his holiness, his righteousness, his mercy, his grace, his peace. Okay? And God says, that should be reflected on your face. Walk in peace. Don't walk in depression. Walk in, walk in mercy. Walk in righteousness. Walk in holiness. And he says, when you're walking, nobody has to see it. Jesus, that's the way Jesus walked on earth. And one day he took three of his disciples, including John, up to the mountain and just opened the world. And they looked at him and they fell down. Because there was this glory of his, what was inside being shown outside. And God says, one day, in the twinkling of an eye, everybody will be revealed. And that is forever and ever. Your countenance will be revealed. It will be for ever and ever and ever. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, chapter 3, not 14. Second Corinthians chapter 3, 14 and then 15 to 18. Okay. But their minds were blinded. Until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Now read 15 to 18. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. What was the veil there for? To cover the glory. When the veil is taken away, the glory is revealed. Now look. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we all unveil faces, beholding. Now, next week, we shall have this, right? A time will come when I will say, lift her veil. That's when the bride's veil is lifted. So then she stands with her veil down. Lift her. When you Turn, okay, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's why they said, where the Lord is Spirit, not where the Spirit is Lord. He said, if the Lord is Spirit, if you allow the Lordship of the Holy Spirit, first thing you need to understand in whatever situation you are, you will have liberty inside. You'll have liberty inside. Okay? Even if you're hanging on a cross, you'll have liberty. Because the Spirit is the Lord. 
Second thing, as he allows him to do that work, the Lordship is saying, some inside you are being transformed in the very image of Jesus Christ. From where? From glory to glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's what John is talking about in 1 John, chapter 3 and verse 2. Okay, 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him. So we need to realize one half verse of his countenance. We need to, let's have the last two verses. Romans 8, 29 and then 30. Everybody knows Romans 8.28, right? All things work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus are called according to his purpose. Now look at this. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn. So everyone he has foreknew would be saved. He also predestined something that has been destined for us. So we should walk into our destiny. That is that. All of us, God wants to conform to the image of his son. Now look at verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these also? What is that? We were predestined for glory. We were predestined for glory. And that is the day every saint is waiting for. Our glory will be revealed. And the Bible says in the book of Romans, all of creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed because they nobody knows it's all hidden in the how will because all the souls are there nobody knows even apostle paul nobody knows because yesterday on saturday night i had a pastor calling me and says who are these 24 elders i said it's a representative figure of israel and the church 12 is the number of god's government 12 patriarchs then 12 apostles but we don't know who these 24 are they represent your fear. Nobody knows. Because nobody has got their body. But in the twinkling of an eye, that's why the Bible says, blessed are those who are in the first resurrection. Because it's a resurrection of glory. In that day, in an end, we will talk about every man will stand before God and give an account of his words and his deeds. You don't have to do any of those things. In a second you will know when you receive your body. Your body. Second, you will. We know all in colleges, universities, and all, all are waiting, and it will be. Usually, it is bottom up, right? Third rank will come, then second rank, and then first rank. Okay, but it is just a paper. But here, the Bible says you will know because it's the glory, and then shining over there, the glorious is Jesus Christ, and this is what the Father wants to do. If you do not see life in that light. You'll go after that woman dressed in scarlet. And she still deceives. She still deceives. Okay. What God sees, the world sees are completely different. She's also sitting in a wilderness. But the church know, the high mountain was taken. Okay. Mountain was taken and showed the glory. So this morning, look at that. Look at that. Because that's how we look at it. Because one day our countenances also should change and we should reflect the glory of God. But today, while we are living on earth in this body, connect glory with these terms, righteousness, grace, peace, 
mercy, holy. These are all his. That's what he told. He said, show me your glory. Show me your face. Can I see your face? God said, no. He actually shows his back. Hides him and shows his back, the glory of his back. He said, you cannot even forget. I'll just show you my back, a little of the glory of my back. He's actually very curious. He says, oh, can I see your face? Meaning he was there for 40 days, he didn't see anything. Can I see your face? God said, you cannot see my face. Yeah, you cannot see. He said, you see, you will die. Okay. But he says, I shall. So you need to realize, okay, when we are gracious, when we are good to somebody, I'm talking about believers, not before that, when you are believe, when you are walking in peace, when you are walking in compassion, when you, we are reflecting the glory of God. If you have doubts, one more verse, John 1 and verse 14. 114. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. What was the glory that was shown to us? Full of grace and truth. Nobody saw his asal chahara, only one few seconds on the mountain. But what they all saw was he was full of grace and full of truth. So that's glory. That's glory. That is inside. That has to be reflected. And one day God says, those who walked in grace and those who walked in truth... It will be revealed. It will shine like stars forever and ever. Let's have Peter and then we shall pray. Worthy, you are worthy. King of kings, Lord of lords, you are worthy, Lord. Worthy, you are worthy. King of kings, Lord of lords, we worship you. Worthy, you are worthy. King of kings, Lord of lords, you are worthy, Lord. Worthy, you are King of kings, Lord of lords, we worship you. Oh, you're worthy of it all, Lord. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. From you are of things, 
We are here over and over again. God is teaching us to look through the eyes of eternity. Nothing, nothing will be wasted. Everything, every lesson, every act of obedience will be counted. All those even today are suffering for the name of Christ. There will be a day of recompense. All the way from China to Afghanistan to the Middle East to Egypt, everywhere, who are being persecuted for his name's sake. Hang in there. There's a day of glory that is going to be revealed. The saints will be revealed. The sons and daughters of God will be revealed. Every eye will see the glorious ones. Their face too will shine like the Son of Man. For they will reflect His glory. For in heaven the true witnesses will be revealed. Every other glory of this world will pass away. For heaven and earth itself will pass away. The Bible says He who does the will of God lives forever and ever. So this morning the exhortation is look to his face. Fall at his feet. Look to his face and fall at his feet. And you will hear the words of comfort. Do not fear. This is who I am. The first and the last. The Alpha and the Omega. The one who was dead and who is alive and lives forever. The keys to the gates of hell are in my hands. Touch Father today your people. So many around the world. Whatever situation they are in. Touch them, Father. Touch them. And those who are in the free world, let them not be caught away with the lie of Satan. This false world he has created to deceive. The false pursuit of vain glory, of honor and success, which will all just fall apart one day. While your invitation is to seek what is true, we are predestined for glory. Touch everyone, Lord, out there. Strengthen them. Fighting these battles. Let them not tire. Let them not quit. Let them not give up. 
the caves, in the wilderness, in the deserts, in the cities. There are your people. All they have known is affliction and pain and grief and death. But let them stand. Because that day is coming closer and closer. It is the day of the Lord. A day of great sorrow and pain and misery for those who pursued Babylon. But a day of great joy for those who pursued Christ. In the light of your countenance, Paul said, I consider everything rubbish. He saw what was true. And he forsook everything that was false. His world was offering him. Open our eyes today, Lord, that we may see that we are not trapped by the devices of the devil, the wiles of the devil, as Adam and Eve were trapped. Because what was death, they saw in it wisdom and glory. But you have come to give us life. Life, your life in abundance. So this morning we too pray, Lord. Look unto us, O Lord. Make your face shine upon us. That we may go today with more grace and more peace. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. And we continue to proclaim. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.